Hello, and thank you for hitting the play button for today's episode of My Great Aunt Edna. Today, you'll hear from Samantha Melting, head of Synchrony's Consumer Bank, with over $56 billion in deposits and global operations in the U.S., Philippines, and India. You'll hear from Samantha on how she believes in lateral movements and how it can help prepare you for your leadership career in the future. Enough said. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of my great aunt Edna, the show about leadership culture of excellence, doing things the right way, no shortcuts, and accountability. And today I have a very special guest. I know I say that a lot, but this is a very special one to me. Um, and it's because she used to be my boss. Um, and I will use the word that her daughter uses. She's a badass. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, who she is, um, you know, read a little bit from her own bio. Then I'd love to turn it over um, to Samantha Melting, talk a little bit about herself. And then, of course, we're going to get into some questions um, and some answers that will give you guys bite-sized nuggets of wisdom that you can use in your own leadership journey. So starting out, let's talk about who Samantha Melting is. So, you know, first of all, she's a senior vice president and head of the Consumer Bank for Synchrony. Um, we're talking $56 billion in deposits under management, if I, if I get that correct. Um, but Samantha's been responsible for the business strategy, for the growth, um, and for cross-functional leadership of that Synchrony team. Um, she's been in the financial services for 28 years plus. Um, she's managed deposits, investment, credit cards, um, secured lending, and consumer small business and wealth management spaces. And then prior to joining Synchrony, um, she and I both worked for Bank of America. Um, I was on the West Coast, she was on the East Coast. So we didn't actually know each other at the time, but we know several of the same people. Um, and at Bank of America, she was a senior vice president of banking products and investment and retired solutions. Um, she remains committed to diversity and inclusion, and I can speak to that personally. Um, and she holds leadership positions in Synchrony's employee diversity networks for the Women's Network and the Hispanic Network. Um, not only that, she currently sits on the boards of the Consumer Bank Association, the Bankers Association, excuse me, um, the W Connection, which um, I definitely want to hear a, a lot more about that later on in this interview, and then the America Saves Campaign and serves as a community advisor and woman of power for Dress for Success in Charlotte. And lastly, she's also an executive member of the Latino Corporate Directors Association. So um, that was a lot, and that's because she's a very busy woman. Um, she's very sought after leader, um, you know, great leader here. And you guys are going to hear what I'm talking about in a minute. But again, Samantha, thank you. Um, welcome to the show. Um, and I'd love to turn it over to you for a little bit, just to talk to our viewers about, you know, who you are and what you're passionate about. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you, Mac. Of course, if you ask me, I'm going to come. Um, so, you know, you did a fantastic job just talking about my background from a work perspective, but just, you know, a little bit more about me. And, and this will certainly connect to some of the things that you just talked about. You know, I'm an immigrant. My mother and I were born in Spain. My father was military, U.S. military serviceman in the Air Force. And when I was four, we moved to the U.S. And I've lived in the U.S. ever since then. And I've actually lived in a lot of different places. But, you know, my parents were working class. My mother, you know, did, my parents did not go to college. Uh, but, you know, they did instill in me a really strong work ethic. 
and about being bold and being confident and going after what I wanted. Um, I do also have a brother uh, who was born in the U.S. Now he lives in Texas. I actually live in Charlotte uh, with my two children, my daughter, Parker, my son, Maxim, uh, and our three cats. Three cats, and I have seen the cats personally um, <laughs> on several virtual meetings. They love to, you know, jump on her lap and talk. Yes, and they do. It's, it's very entertaining. <laughs> so exciting. Um, thank you for that introduction. Uh, so I want to jump right into some of the questions um, that I have for you. Uh, and this first question, I was recently able to speak to some students from Jobs for American Graduates in Washington, D.C. They had their 40th anniversary there. And, and a lot of the students had questions about career pathing, of course. Um, and thinking about you and the success that you've had in your career, very interested um, to learn about your own career path. Um, you know, what kind of roads did you take to get to uh, be the successful leader that you are today? Yeah, I actually do like talking about my career path because I, I think some would think it's not traditional or it's not what you would come to expect from someone who's in the position that I'm in. And so I love to share that because it does give people perspective that, you know, their path can change or it doesn't have to follow what they see from their leader. And in, you know, in my, my case, you know, I, in some perspective, I didn't go to all the right schools. I didn't have my career perfectly planned out in advance um, so that I could climb that ladder quickly. There was a lot of twists and turns. And, you know, I shared a little bit about my parents and, you know, I was the first person in my entire extended family to actually go to college. And it took me seven years to finish. And, and the reason that it took me seven years to finish is because I was putting myself through school. I had to work. And there were times when I had to take fewer classes or take a semester off in order to work and pay for college. And, you know, I didn't go to a big Ivy League school. Uh, I went to a private uh, Jesuit university and I got a great education and it certainly prepared me to work in corporate America. And, you know, throughout my career, I took a lot of different types of jobs, uh, lots of different functional type roles. I took a lot of lateral roles. And so, you know, my path to getting promotions and getting into the role that I'm in now, you know, it was a long path, but with every single role, I learned something. I became an expert in something. And, and that's what led to me being able to be promoted and to take a job like the one that I have today. And, you know, it also helped me become very comfortable with telling my story about my successes and the type of leader that I am. Uh, and most importantly, you know, becoming comfortable with criticism because you know, there were other qualities about me and my experiences that I had to bring to the table to convince the hiring manager that I would be the right person for the role. Uh, and you know, I became very self-aware about how I could tell my story and how I could evolve uh, and be successful in those jobs. I actually like to tell people, especially those that I mentor that come to me and say, you know, I think it's time for me to be promoted. So I'm only going to look at jobs that are at this higher level. And, and they don't necessarily see lateral roles as progression. I always did. And it was really great advice that I received earlier in my career from a great mentor who said, instead of looking at the job title, the level of that role, look at what you could actually learn from that role and what type of gap it's going to fill on your resume. And I think all of those things are really what helped me get to where I am today. So 
amazing story. And you said a couple of things that I want to pull out of that. And sure. the first thing, when you talked about college and, you know, taking seven years to finish school yeah. and, you know, when we hear that, you know, some people say, you know, what took so long, you know, were there issues? But I love the fact that you said, you know, you had to pay for it yourself. It took yeah. a little bit longer. So, you know, you you had some some self-motivation and self-ambition to make things happen. And a lot of those students that I talked about, you know, they come from low to moderate income areas. Um, and in their minds, they're thinking like, if, if I go to community college or, you know, it takes me longer, you know, I won't be able to get into those roles I'll be behind. Um, but, you know, look at yourself and the successful uh, position that you're in right now and you've helped, you know, mm -hmm. several along the way. Um, it, it proves that that really doesn't matter. It's just about progressing and taking steps forward. So I appreciate you um, telling that that part of your career path. Um, and then the other thing that you mentioned when you're talking about mentorship, mentorship, and I know that this is important to you um, because I know you personally, um, but I know you're involved in several other kind of mentorship programs right now. And I'm interested to know, like, what kind of advice do you give the mentees that you have um, that may help them avoid some obstacles or maybe just circumvent some things, um, you know, if they did things differently? Yeah, I actually have um, quite a few pieces of advice that, you know, I've learned throughout my career that have helped me be successful. I didn't learn them all at the same time, right? 28 years is the, is the span of my career in corporate America. And so these are things that I learned through trial and error um, throughout that time. The first is, oh, and by the way, these don't just work in the in in your career mm. uh, they work personally too yes yes so yes the the first is ask for what you want so if we talk about from a career perspective if you never tell your boss what you want in a role or what you want out of the job that you're in they may never know and if if you're interested in a different role learning something new and you don't express that they're never going to know and that may never come about if you're waiting for them to take action and so uh, asking for what you want uh, you know the worst that can happen is the answer is no or not yet and and if it's not yet maybe it's timing and there's some work that you can do to prepare you for that um, but I leverage this in my personal life as well as at work and and I am surprised by how often you know this works out or the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. And and I always caution people, you know, if the answer is no, you need to be gracious. You need to accept the no and then think about um, how you might want to position the ask differently in the future. Um, right. The other is about being bold, but in your own authentic way. And by being bold, you're also taking risks. And this is something that has really helped me in my career because. I used to be very shy and I would sit in a meeting early in my career and be afraid to ask a question because I might look dumb or everyone's going to think I should know that answer. Right. And, you know, and that really held me back because one, people thought that right or wrong, that I was either not ambitious or I wasn't seen as a leader because I wouldn't challenge or speak up. Um, or I just wouldn't get the knowledge that I needed and, and answer a question that I truly had. And so this was something I had to learn and evolve over time. And I do it in my own authentic way, which means I'm not going to be the loudest person in the room. I'm not going to interrupt everybody who's speaking. You know, I, I, I'm patient. I wait for the opportunity to ask or to share my opinion. And, uh, you know, and I, and I, and, and then people know it, you know, it's very genuine when I'm, when I'm, contributing to that conversation. 
The third is take lateral rolls, which we, you know, we talked about just a few minutes ago. This really has uh, propelled my career. Mm -hmm. uh, I could not be in the role that I'm in today had I not taken five lateral rolls before this because I learned something great in each one of those lateral roles that positioned me to be successful in this role. Uh, focus on relationships. You know, it's people who drive change. And, you know, sometimes when I share this, I hear a couple of things. Oh, yeah, it's nice to get to know people, you know, personally. Or, um, and that's, it doesn't seem like it's that hard. Um, for others, it could be, well, I'm not going to email or call, you know, that senior leader. Like, they don't know who I am. They're going to think I'm bothering them. And I always say, hey, take risks. Be bold. Right. And just recognize that we are all people. We all mm -hmm. have jobs. We are all trying to do our best to fuel our passions at work or in life. And that the worst that can happen is they say no. And then if they say no about, you know, meeting or connecting with you, then that's okay. You know, sometimes it just doesn't work out and you move on to somebody else. Uh, but, you know, that, that really applies not only to building your network, but also just in the role that you're at and the people that you work with that the relationships become so critical to your success and the success of the project or the team that you're working with. Because when you establish that connection with someone, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think there's motivation to help each other be successful. Plus, you know, if, you, if you've established this network, there's going to be a time when you need it, either yes. because you need somebody to help you execute something or you, you need a job. And, or you're interested in moving into their space and they can help make that connection for you. Um, and then take on special projects. So I've had many opportunities in my career where I had a job that I felt like, you know, I'm doing really good at this job. You know, I've got lots of extra time and I really want to learn some new things. And so I'll just raise my hand. It's sort of like the ask for what you want and say, I want to take on a special project. And maybe it has nothing to do with the job that I'm doing in that moment. But taking on that special project gives me a new skill set, introduces me to a new set of leaders yes. and teams. Yes. And, yes. you know, and, and it can lead to a role that, that you, know, you may want. And this actually happened to me. When I was at Bank of America, I was running the savings business and I had an interest in the investment space because I have a real passion around helping people find financial security and be resilient financially. and and so for me, it was, I want, I want people to start saving, then I want them to be, you know, very active savers. And then I want to help them build wealth and building wealth can really come from investing. And so I took on a special project to learn more about the investment space, which was the Merrill Edge business. And it ultimately led to me actually having a job that was managing um, investments and working with Merrill Lynch and U.S. Trust and Merrill Edge and so that was, you know, a really great opportunity and example of how that special project brought about change for me. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it might be you take on a special project and you think, oh, I don't want to do that. That's great. Because then you know you can go in a different path. You don't have to go that way. Uh, and then the last one is uh, be an avid learner. You should always be learning. And I do this by, you know, watching videos, reading articles. Um, I listen to audible books on leadership in the car and um, there's just a, a lot of different things that I'm actively you know, trying to learn uh, that that will ultimately help me in, in my, you know, my role or, or as being a leader, either 
a leader at work or a leader in the nonprofit space where I, I spend a lot of time as well. All great advice. So there were two things that stood out to me that I just want to recap. The first thing when you said, you know, be bold in your authentic self. I think that is so important um, because a lot of junior associates, you know, they pattern themselves after a leader that they respect. And so, you know, they try to become that person and then they fail. And then they're a little confused, you know, why did I fail? Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, not being your authentic self. And that comes out. Uh, and, I, and I'll say that I've seen you in meetings. I had a, a term I used for you. I never told you. I'll tell you now. It was <laughs> it was uh, quiet thunder is, is what I'd say about oh, you. Yeah, because we're sitting in rooms, a lot of big leaders sitting in there and you write a lot of voices going on um, and you sit there and listen and observe. And then when you spoke and you have a very, you know, soft, beautiful voice, but when you spoke, it was kind of like quiet thunder because, you know, people would listen, um, pay attention to what you're saying. Uh, and, and you were bold in your statements and, you know, still have been, you know, to my knowledge that, you know, when you want something or you think something should be done a certain way, you say it within your own authentic self. The second piece, when you talked about um, special projects, that is so big um, in, in career development that I think a lot of people overlook and don't understand the importance of it. You know, I had the opportunity to do it several times within my own career, and you're absolutely right. It's the network that you build outside of your own wall of whatever you're doing when your job at that time um, and the additional skills that you learn. So I just wanted to recap those because they're, they're just so critical. Um, and then changing gears a little bit, what we did talk about is the international leadership that you have right now. So, you know, a lot of people don't know, but Synchrony has presence in the Philippines. Um, we have support presence in India. Um, we have, you know, teams uh, in different cities within, you know, the United States. All of this is under your, your leadership. And in thinking through how to do things the right way or to instill that culture and how to do things the right way, how do you do that as a leader across multiple boundaries, uh, multiple continents, uh, multiple cultures, and still accomplish that? Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of ways that that I do it. You know, so part of it goes back to what I shared earlier about, you know, relationships being important. And, mm -hmm. and so for me, it's, you know, building relationships with the teams, no matter where they are, what function uh, they're actually sitting in, so that I understand what's important to them and they understand what's important to me and and building a relationship where you know I have an open door and you can come to me and ask questions or you can share your concerns or your thoughts or your ideas but you know the other piece that's always uh there's two other pieces that have been really important for me too it's it's that connection and that communication and so you know I do have I have regular one-on-one -on -one touch bases uh, with my leaders and even with the the, the folks that uh, report to them. Uh, and, you know, I have town halls and I just find different ways to stay connected to the audience. So they see me, I see them. But, you know, the other piece too around influence and driving changes, I spend a lot of time trying to explain the why. And, and I feel like if people understand why we're doing something, why I feel a certain way, and still give them an opportunity to share their input, then that's going to inspire followership so much better than just saying, this is what we've got to do. And right. so I, I think those are some, some just, you know, some ways that I feel I've been successful in, in doing that. Thank you. 
great answer. Um, changing gears again, I want you to think back to a time where you had a leader that showed care for you. You know, not just about, you know, I'm your yes. boss, you're an employee, do a good job, but genuine care for you. Um, one, you know, how did that impact your career? And do you still, you know, have a, a level of respect for that individual? Yeah. So there's somebody that comes to mind immediately, Brian, one of my best managers uh, earlier, you know, in my career was actually when I first uh, took a role in the deposit space was a product manager role in deposits. And, you know, there are a couple things that he did for me that sort of ties back into, you know, my advice to the people I mentor. The first was, you know, he he was a leader who believed in giving his team a voice and a time in the spotlight. But he was also the one that would be sort of cut through, you know, the BS and say, just tell me what you want. Right. And I remember having this conversation <laughs> So two examples. I, I had a conversation with him about, hey, I, you know, my children were younger. I'd really like to, you know, work from home two days a week so I can, you know, take care of my kids. And my daughter was playing softball and golf. And and so I was sort of beating around the bush about how what I was asking. And, and I didn't want to ask, I felt like I did I was gonna ask for too much from him. And he just said, just stop. What do you want? Just tell me what you want. That's all I want to hear from you. And I said, I want to work from home on Mondays and Fridays. He's like, cool, then, then do it. That's all you had to say. You didn't have to like, you know, go through this whole process of trying to convince me and beat around the bush. So yeah. that was a that was a really great lesson learned. And he, and he would do this repeatedly during the time that I worked for him. And the other was about, you know, he would give me the spotlight when I would have to go present to senior leadership. And I might be nervous, but he would always say, remember, you know more about this topic than they do. You're the expert. You answer the questions. I'm just going to, I'm just there to walk you into the room, essentially. You take this time to showcase what you know um, and get what you need out of them. And and so that helped me be much more bold and much more confident. Uh, and you know, even today, I still meet with him regularly, you know, for lunch or for coffee. Uh, and you know, and I've told him before it, you know, how instrumental he was in helping me uh, with my career. That is an amazing story. I'm thinking about the piece about cutting through the BS because the question was care. So it reminds <laughs> me of a piece that I just wrote um, for my great aunt Edna and the title of it is accountability is caring. Right. And mm -hmm. so, you know, he's like, Hey, stop right there. What do you need? But that's demonstrated care to say, Hey, I got you. Just tell me, you know, yeah, I, I, exactly. as your leader. Yeah, I have you. Um, so that was good. I love that one. All right. So we talked about a lot about, the things that you're involved in outside of your main job being head of the consumer bank. I know you're on a lot of boards. Um, you're involved in a lot of nonprofits, you know, both nationally and in Charlotte. But I know there's one in particular that's near and dear to your heart. Um, you know, I've seen some of your posts recently and, uh, you know, I can sense the passion that's coming out of the verbiage there, but uh, the W connection. So if, if you could um, talk a little bit about, you know, your involvement with that, what it is, and, and then why you got involved. Yeah, so the W Connection is a national nonprofit of widows who are helping widows, uh, you know, get through 
the life changes and the grief and and all of that that a widow will encounter um, after her partner or her spouse passes away. Uh, and what's different about the W Connection from other organizations that that do cater to widows is that we we're not therapy, we're not grief counseling. Um, we are really about everything else a widow is going to need to help her be successful, and it's connection and it's empowerment, uh, and it's it's the ability to you know learn about things like hey, how do I handle the holidays? And you know what happens to my finances when I have to start making decisions? What if I didn't work before and now I do have to work? And Or I'm a solo parent and you know, how do I get through some of the challenges of being a solo parent? And how do I deal with you know, ex-in-laws or, you know, or you know, whatever? So there's, it's a very comprehensive program that goes well beyond grief counseling. And there are things that, that do touch on grief as well. Like we had a a peer talk recently about loneliness. And, you know, we had a number of widows who are in uh, on, on different phases of, of their healing process or restarting their life, talk about their best strategies. And so there are webinars, there are wellness workshops, uh, there are peer talks, uh, and it's just a wonderful organization. And the reason I'm a part of it is because I too am a widow. And when my husband passed away, you know what, mattered the most to me was really having the connection and the support of my family, my friends, my my employer. And, and it was two women in particular who are my best friends that were also widows before me who knew what I needed. They, I didn't even have to ask for it. They just would show up and bring me food or help me clean or, or force me or you know, talk me into, hey, you're, you're done staying at home. Let's go out. We're going to go out and have a little fun and have some social time together. We're going to go to a concert. And these things all mattered to me. And yes, me and my children were going through grief counseling too, but these were the things that were happening um, in addition to grief counseling that mattered the most. And so, you know, where I'm at in my journey, you know, we've sort of closed that chapter and started this new chapter in our lives. And, you know, I am just really passionate about now helping other women who've been through this because I've learned so much and I feel like I can help someone, you know, who is just starting this journey. And so uh, that's how I was you know, drawn to the W Connection and, you know, the women that I get to empower and support through their change. And, you know, it is a national nonprofit. Uh, we are all widows. Uh, I was on their board um, as a board member. I am now the chairwoman of the board, uh, which I'm excited about. One of my passion me. projects <laughs> is because of my experience in the financial services industry, you know, I'm building a lot of financial wellness content, mm -hmm. actually working with another nonprofit too that I support, which is the America Saves Council. I'm bringing in some of their expertise and resources to to help you know these widows who just in some cases have never managed money uh some not all uh you know i'm in financial services so i sort of had a leg, a leg up on for some uh, you know compared to some but for for some they really need that they really need that help and so uh, i'm proud to be a part of of this organization and and the impact that they're having so I'm so excited, one, again, that you decided to do this interview, but that we have the opportunity to speak about this. Um, and again, in thinking about the people that will watch this, and again, it's going to be all over the world, but there's so many people that look up to senior leaders as if they're not real people. 
you know, as if they don't go through the emotions and the the pain. It's what you said earlier in the interview is that we're all just people, right? And I think it's super important uh, for, you know, people that may be going through the same thing to hear from a leader that's doing it and that's making it through going through the same challenges. Um, so what I'd like to do, you know, when, when we're done with this is to, to put the information up for W Connection um, for everyone to, you know, find out a little bit more about the organization, uh, maybe even reach out to Samantha, the, the new uh, chair there, um, and, and get involved in it. Uh, I think it's a worthwhile cause from what I know about it. And again, it, you know, I know from what, you know, you've stated about the organization. So I um, appreciate you sharing that and your transparency around your own challenges. Um, I'm going to change gears here. So, which one is harder? Harder to be the head of a consumer bank that has a global presence from an operation standpoint or leading as a parent? Hmm. So, I can see why some people would think leading as a parent is harder, hmm. but I actually think leading a bank is harder. And, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I know my children. I sort of know, you know, what motivates them. I can also demand things of them. Right. And, and you know, they my children do make decisions that I wish they didn't make, especially my daughter, who's going to be 23 in January, where I think that was not a very good adult-like decision. But, <laughs> you know, I've sort of come to accept that my children are not my clones and that they will, you know, they will march down their own path and there will be things I don't agree with and things that they will just have to learn. And that's okay. But um, I share my wisdom whenever I can. As the leader of the bank, you know, there I am interacting with people from all age groups, all ethnicities, diversities, you know, countries that they live in, um, all different parts and places in their career. Some new, some, some that I've, you know, worked with for a long time and, so being able to influence and motivate people just you know in that context is so much harder. And but I but I I enjoy it. I, I really enjoy figuring out, you know, what's important to someone and how can I help them. Mm -hmm. uh, and in turn, you know, what can I what can I do that motivates them to help me as well? So I would definitely say that's a lot harder. You surprised me with that. You did. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw it out there because I, I just knew you were gonna go with parent, you know, but um okay <laughs> good answer all right so last question this is going to be my trademark question here so okay. um as a leader in today's environment samantha what kind of shit pisses you off that you really wish you could change oh you know it's all about the hiring process like yeah. i feel like there are too many hiring managers you know recruiters hr teams that are looking for the perfect candidate and aren't taking chances on someone. Uh, and, you know, it's, yeah. I think about my own, you know, experiences and the teams that I've led in, you know, some of the best leaders I've ever worked with did not come from a banking background or have a finance degree, uh, but there was something about them that, you know, was really compelling and, and it was, you know, their passion. Uh, their leadership qualities, because you can you can certainly you know lead without actually understanding the business entirely. You can learn that, uh, or you know their their ability to influence or you know excite a team and motivate a team, and and just a drive in them themselves to do better and be better. 
And, and those were sort of the qualities that I found in, in these very successful leaders uh, that I'm you know, really happy that, that I was able to work with them and, and, and give them a job. But looking, you know, had I been looking for the perfect candidate that had the right degree or, or had a degree at all, in some cases it's is, is not even necessary, or had the, you know, the, they'd already done the job somewhere else, which I see happen a lot too, I would have missed out on some really great talent. And so this, this actually question came up just recently in an HR discussion I was having um, about, you know, why, why aren't people being promoted? Uh, why aren't we attracting the right talent? And, you know, the question to me was pretty obvious. It was because you're looking for somebody who checks every single box yes. and, and you really need to be giving people chances. I've had a lot of chances in my career and I'm grateful for that. And I want to give other people chances too. Well, I'm clapping on that one. So what just came out of that, first of all, it's you, but DEI, we just talked about diversity, equity, inclusion in your introduction, how important that is. But that's what I was hearing when you were saying that. Is, yeah. and, and, and it's not only about, you know, the diversity, but you're right. It, it's, I like to hire for character and aptitude is the way yeah. that I look at it. You yeah. know, starting out with character of the individual, but then can they learn the job? When I was hired into, and I haven't told a lot of people this, but when I was hired into banking, uh, my first job was a branch manager with J.P. Morgan Chase way back then. I'd never been in banking in my entire life, and they gave me a branch to run. So someone gave me the opportunity, and I didn't check all the boxes. So I, I applaud you for that answer. Um, and I think it, it, it prevents companies from being their best. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. by not getting the best people there that may not check all the boxes that we say someone should fit in. Great answer. So appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so with that, I'm just going to go ahead and, and wrap up this interview because I've taken up a lot of your time already. But, you know, I want to thank you again uh, for contributing to my great aunt Edna. Um, again, I want to remind everyone the W Connection. Uh, I'm going to put that information up here shortly, so make sure that you stay tuned, uh, get that information, and follow up with Samantha. Um, and uh, you know, with that, uh, thank you, Samantha. And, and you have any last words you want to say to the to the people out there? Oh, you know, I'm so excited that that you're you're doing this. I can't wait to read your book, uh, and I hope that this inspires you. But but also, you know, all of the other. Uh, folks that that Mac has interviewed. I know he's got such great content out there already um, that I think we all you know, can learn from. Thank you, I appreciate that, appreciate that. It's all the experiences that that you just talked about in yourself. You know, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we, we take it all and we learn from it. That's the way I think about it. So um, thank you, Samantha. Thank you everyone for watching the episode today. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. All right, talk to you all soon. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. And if you haven't done so already, make sure to hit the like and subscribe button on YouTube so that you can hear from future guests on how to help you improve your leadership journey. And I want to thank Samantha Melty for being our special guest on today's show. And you can see the information on the screen and contact Samantha and find out about her involvement with the W Connection and how it impacts widows and their connection together. I also want to remind you, that my book is coming out, My Great Aunt Edna, The Golden Girl of Leadership. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and wherever books are sold. And with that, I wanna say thank you, may your week be excellent, and God bless.